to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog owners. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm Rachel Harris. I'm a certified professional dog trainer, and I hope to give you a fresh outlook on your dog's behavior and practical dog training advice. everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. If you are new around here, welcome to Disorderly Dogs. Um, I started this podcast really in an effort to just kind of share with the world what being a dog guardian and a dog trainer was all about. And it's kind of morphed into this beautiful conversation about all things dogs and being a dog guardian. So I am really delighted that you are listening today. I know that there are a lot of podcasts, particularly dog training podcasts that you could be listening to. Um, And I am grateful that you have chosen to listen to me today. So in today's episode, I want to talk about um, dog bites. Um, A colleague of mine, Renee, over at Bravo Dog Training, posted on Instagram. If you don't follow her over on Instagram, you definitely should. But she posted recently and she used the word demystify, demystifying dog bites. And I really loved that word. So I just wanted to kind of give a shout out to her for that. Um, But I want to talk about demystifying dog bites today. So many of you know, for those of you who don't know, I have been training professionally for almost 10 years and I have really, my whole career has been about um, working with aggressive and reactive dogs. And as you can imagine, a lot of the dogs in my work and in my care and in my life Um, have bit people and other dogs. So I have a lot of not only professional experience working with dogs who bite, but also a lot of personal experience. Um, We have had a lot of really awesome dogs over the years, um, many of who did bite people and other dogs. So I want to start by defining some truths about dog bites, and then I'm going to kind of expand on those. And everyone... Please understand that while I love this podcast and I love doing it for free, this podcast episode is never going to be a substitute for getting professional training advice if you need it. So please just know that when it comes to dogs who can bite, um, that is when you have to find the time and the money to get a professional trainer in your corner because it's necessary at this point. Okay, so let's talk about a couple of truths when it comes to dog bites. So the first truth is going to be hard for some of you to hear, but it's important. And that truth is that all dogs can bite every single one. And I think that there's a lot of dangerous thinking and misconceptions surrounding this. Um, and I'll be honest, right? Like this was me early on in my dog training career. I was like, my dogs would never bite. That's crazy. But please know that one of the, the main truths here is that every single dog is capable of biting. Uh, another truth when we're talking about dog bites is that Oftentimes, it is a defense mechanism, okay? Our dogs basically have two options when they're feeling confronted. They can either fight or they can run, right? The fight-flight response. So know that oftentimes, well, I shouldn't say oftentimes, most of the time, um, a dog bite is serving a very direct purpose, and often that is a defense mechanism, 
that's just the truth. That's the way that it works, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, the third truth surrounding dog bites is that while we love and care for our dogs, the way that our world works, uh, people take precedent over dogs often. And when it comes to dogs biting people, there is a bit of a hierarchy for better or for worse that protecting people is a very important thing. And dogs biting people can cause a whole host of really unfun ramifications for people and dogs. Okay, so I'm going to go into some more detail details about these truths. So let's circle back to all dogs can bite. But I think we have to look at the function of biting and what that really means for the individual dog. I know that a lot of people don't want to believe that about their dogs, but it's the truth, right? Um, all dogs are capable of biting. And I had a wonderful Instagram follower tag me in a post recently and basically, there was some really irresponsible interactions between um, a young child and a dog. And the mother's you know, explanation for this is that her dogs are trained and they will never bite. And it's so dangerous to think this, okay? All dogs are capable of biting. It does not matter if they have had training or not. So please know that a trained dog won't bite is so false and so dangerous. So please, you know, remember that, internalize that. Um, I think we also have to understand the limits of our dogs and as individuals, what they're capable of. So oftentimes, Biting comes from a state of overarousal or fear. Um, and again, you guys, I, I can't get to every single reason a dog would bite, obviously, in this podcast episode. So I'm going to speak in some pretty broad generalizations, but to help you understand. So I will give you an example. So um, most of you know Waylon. If y'all don't know Waylon, you're new to the podcast. Waylon is my almost five-year-old American Staffordshire Terrier who generally is very people social, but when he gets overstimulated, he can get really mouthy and sometimes bitey. Um, when I say mouthy, that's he's opening his mouth, he's putting teeth on people, but his intention is not aggressive, right? He's just overly excited and he doesn't know how to contain that enthusiasm. So he goes to putting teeth on people. There are a lot of spectrums of emotion and arousal that can lead to a dog putting teeth on people. But I think that there is definitely a spectrum of like overexcitement and fear and kind of everything in between. So it's really important to understand our dog's limits and their capacities to feel safe and or uh, keep it together, as I call, right? Keeping it together, meaning not get so over aroused that they would resort to putting their teeth on people. But we have to understand our individual dog and their limits and not put them in situations that we're pushing them past their limits where they may feel like they have to resort to biting. Um, I think something else that is is hard to see as humans because we're so intimidated by dog bites and we think it's this whole scary thing is that biting serves a function for the the animal right or they wouldn't do it and i think with when we can 
take a step back and look at the function of the biting, I think that that can help, again, demystify some of the things we're thinking about biting. So over the years, I have worked on probably thousands of cases of dogs either biting other dogs or people. And in that time, it's been really interesting because oftentimes I get called in because people are like, is this it? Do we have to euthanize the dog? And I'll be honest, most of the most of the aggression cases that I get called on where, where a dog has bit someone or another dog, it's very rarely my suggestion that the dog is dangerous, right? We're always looking at what was the function of biting, right? Why did your animal feel in the moment that biting was their only option? So I think before I go on, I want to do just a little bit more defining of what I mean by biting. So from where I sit, there's there's really a spectrum, right? So like I was kind of talking about Waylon earlier, he can get excited and he can get kind of mouthy and nippy, meaning he's putting his mouth on people, but he's not biting down with his full force, right? But then there's this other spectrum of a dog is biting and they mean it, okay? So I want you to kind of understand like the nuance there that like mouthing and nipping is maybe not intent. They're not biting with their full force. Maybe they're overly excited. Maybe they're just trying to get you to go away from them. But when I'm talking about biting, I'm talking about a dog who is biting with a lot of force with intent. Okay. So, um, when we're talking about dog bites and we're talking about, you know, the function of the dog bite, we have to look at what led us there, right? And this is what I always ask my clients, right? When I get called in on dogs who have bit people or other dogs, why, right? What were the circumstances? Where was the dog at emotionally? And oftentimes it was a dog put in a situation where they didn't feel like they had any other option. So they resorted to biting. Not that there isn't a level of aggression in dogs, right? Dogs who are behaving aggressively, that it's more than that, right? Not only are they feeling uncomfortable and they want the person to get away from them, but they can't stop, right? They go, they bite, they keep biting. And in those cases, right, like that's really the scary stuff, right? The scary stuff of a dog who is going to bite and they're not stopping, they're not letting go, they are not backing down. In which case, I'd like to circle back to my original point when I started this podcast episode. If your dog has put holes in another animal or a person and they did not stop, they kept going, they kept biting, you have to seek the help of a qualified trainer. It's non-negotiable. You have to. It is very complex. You you need the the support and guidance from someone who understands dogs and behavior and motivation um, because this is not something you can just like watch a YouTube tutorial about, right? We're, we're so beyond that. Um, so I, I want to kind of circle back to the protection of people and your dog. So while... In my experience, um, the dogs biting other people is really what leads to the most legal ramification. It leads to the most, um, what I would label drama, right? Just surrounding the whole thing. And I think that 
from where I sit, there are a lot of dog bites that get reported that in my opinion were really the human's fault, but that doesn't matter because the way that the law works, well, I will speak to the way that the law works in Colorado since I'm very familiar with that. And obviously this is something you're gonna have to do your own research on wherever you're located, but um, the way that dog bites work in the legal system is that the perpetrator, right? The dog and then the guardian of that dog is legally responsible for the damages to the other person, okay? And this is something that I've consulted on too many times. I wish it didn't have to be like this, but ultimately what we end up doing is understanding the dog, understanding their motivations, understanding their triggers, understanding how we can put them in situations where they're not going to feel like they have to bite. And then, you know, doing everything in our power to prevent it from happening again. I, I have this perspective because I work with so many dogs who have bit people and bit other dogs. I've lived with dogs who have bit people and other dogs. And I naturally, right, always gravitate to defending the animal because they can't defend themselves. Obviously, they tried to defend themselves and and now the human world is going after them. And while I always want to speak for the dog's best interest, I never want it to be at the sake of someone being physically harmed either. And I don't want to pretend that I have all the answers because I most certainly do not. But I think that as a society, we have made it as such that if dogs express themselves in an aggressive manner, than they're bad dogs. And I don't think that that's fair or right, but there also are these realities surrounding some of like the legal ramifications if your dog were to bite someone or, you know, another animal. I guess all of this is to say that I think that as a society, because of the way that the legal system works, we've put way too much emphasis on dogs biting instead of looking at the function of the bite and what the human or whatever else was happening in the situation. So while having a dog who is capable of biting can be an overwhelming task, it does not mean that these animals can't still live full functional lives. So For those of you who are familiar with me and you're familiar with my work, you will probably remember um, me talking about some of the previous um, pit bulls and amstaffs that I've had in my life. So we had a male amstaff, Sonny, who was a delight of a dog. Oh, I miss him so terribly. But he could act very aggressively to other dogs. And on several occasions, he did bite put holes and do harm to other dogs. And something that we ended up doing to continue to expand his world was muzzle training. And, you know, I think that a lot of people think that dogs who are capable of biting don't get to go out in the world. They don't get to live full lives. And while dogs who are capable of Biting. And like I said, all dogs are capable of biting, but a dog we know who has bit and will bite again. Um, by muzzle training Sonny, he got to continue to hike off leash and explore with us with really, really great success, and in turn did not put holes in any other dogs. Um, we also had, you know, the other side of the spectrum. We had an American Pitbull t- Terrier that we called Hilo. 
and we fostered him. And while we loved and we adored Hilo and we put a lot of time and energy into his training and, you know, enriching his life, Hilo had what I would define as a psychological disorder where when he progressed to acting aggressively, he could not snap out of or stop that on his own. And a dog who is capable of biting and behaving like that becomes very dangerous very fast. And for those of you who don't already know, Hilo is the dog that we loved and we appreciated and we gave him a kick-ass life while he was with us. But we ultimately made the decision to free him of his physical body because of the inevitability of him acting aggressively repeatedly in the future. I will tell you that that is a very small fraction and percentage of the dogs that I work with that have bit other people or animals, but it is a spectrum, right? And I don't want to pretend that like all dogs that bite just get to be safe and live (laughs) normal lives. But I think that's honestly, in my experience, the vast majority of the dogs that I get called in that do have a bite history is that they do get to continue to live full and happy lives with some management pieces in place. So when we're talking about dogs who are biting, again, I think it's really important to understand like the severity of the bite, the intention of the bite, and letting that inform what we do going forward. So there's a pretty well recognized bite scale that is the Ian Dunbar bite scale and essentially it breaks bites into I think it's five or six levels um but basically you know we're talking about a dog who maybe has put teeth on someone but didn't break the skin and then maybe a dog who has put teeth on someone did break the skin but it was just a bite and let go so if you are interested in aggression in dogs if you are interested in learning more about this I highly recommend you seek out the Ian Dunbar bite scale We'll include a link to that in the show notes just so that you have it for reference. But, you know, we have to understand the the scale and the severity of biting when we're looking at a training plan and is the dog safe to live. Again, please, everyone, this is not a substitute for the help of a qualified professional, okay? So when we're talking about dogs who have landed bites. I want to just give you a few pieces of advice. Again, none of this is meant to substitute working with a professional trainer. But when we talk about a dog who has landed a bite, first and foremost, you have to get the dog out of the situation so that they will not bite again. (laughs) Okay. I know that that sounds really obvious, but you wouldn't believe how many people are like, we thought that they were going to be fine and that it happened again seconds later. So if your dog bites someone, get them out of the situation as quickly as you possibly can. Okay, you have to protect the dog and make sure that they're not going to bite again. Second of all, you need to make sure that the victim of the bite is getting the medical care that they need. I know that it is hard. You don't want people to bite. Even if you felt like it was the other person's fault, you are still (laughs) obligated to make sure that the victim of the bite gets the medical care that they need. Um, It's really important that 
post making sure that your dog is safe and that the victim is getting the medical care that they need, I want you to give yourself and your dog a couple of days to decompress, meaning you are not putting your dog in a situation that could potentially trigger them to bite and you're not putting yourself in that situation either. So I unfortunately have been in many situations where my dog was the perpetrator of a bite unfortunately, in many circumstances. And it's one of those that, you know, I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but it's also the inevitability of living with animals, right? They, Our dogs are still animals. Biting is still their main mode of defense. So, you know, I think that it's really important that you're giving yourself and your dog some time to decompress and come back to earth. And then after that, I think that it gives you an opportunity to reflect on the situation, something that I always encourage my clients to do post-biting incident is, one, give yourself 24 hours. And once you've had 24 hours to kind of reflect on the situation, write out every part of the environment, your your dog, what was happening in the environment, write it all out. Because I think that the more you can see on paper everything that was happening, it makes plenty of sense that the dog has gone to biting. I think another really dangerous thinking is that dogs just bite out of the blue. And while there are very rare circumstances where the dog is suffering from a psychological disorder and maybe it feels like they have bit out of the blue, that is a, that's a unicorn percentage of, of bite incidents. And I think that the more we can reflect and understand the circumstances leading to the bite, it can help us understand and be less scared of the bite. And it helps us understand the function of the bite and why our animal, our dog in this case, right, has resorted to or felt the need to escalate to biting. Most dogs, once they feel safe, they are not overstimulated, they will choose other de-escalation tactics, right? But I think it's important to look back and reflect on what was everything happening in the environment. And I think that that will bring you some peace because it makes sense, right? We can understand what happened in those circumstances. And above all else, it gives us information of situations that we won't put our dog in the next time around because clearly it was too much for them. Okay, so everyone, I know that dog bites are a very heavy topic for a lot of people, but I wanted to demystify some of the drama and the baggage that goes along with dogs biting because ultimately dogs are still animals. Biting serves a function for that animal, and I think that the more we can take some of the dramatics out of dogs biting and be objective about what's happening, that's only going to serve the animal and ultimately us in the long run. If you have a dog who has bit someone, bit another dog, and you are feeling overwhelmed and you need support, please reach out. I work primarily with reactive and aggressive dogs. If I can't help you, I will be happy to refer you to someone who can. A couple other resources for dogs who can behave aggressively, um, check out aggressivedogs.com. It's a wonderful resource and that can definitely help direct you in the right direction of um, a trainer who is qualified to help you. One more caveat to this is that please know that a trainer who 
is dominance-based, balance, punishment-based. I would never, ever, ever, ever in a million years advise that you work with someone who trains like that because that is only going to exacerbate your challenge with your dog. So um, I don't recommend trainers who use aversives or punishment ever, but particularly in the case of dogs who are biting, I think that Oftentimes those trainers will use the fact that the dog has bit as an excuse to use really harmful, aggressive training techniques for the dog. And please, oh my gosh, I have been called in on so many calls where the guardian meant well, but they got involved with the trainer who made it worse. And sometimes I can't backpedal on that. I can't undo the damage that's been done. So if your dog has bit another dog or a human and you need help and a a trainer claims that an e-collar is the only way, one, they are full of shit to run because a qualified professional will treat your dog with kindness and respect, even if we know they're capable of biting. All right. Okay. So there you have it. Demystifying the dog bite. I hope you found this episode helpful. Um, thank you to everyone who has left reviews on this podcast. I love reading them. It brings me so much joy. If you have been listening to disorderly dogs for a while and you have not left a podcast, uh, review, I would really appreciate, appreciate it. You can do that over on Apple podcasts. You can click five stars and leave a comment about what you like about this podcast. Y'all, I have some really episodes, um, really great episodes coming at you in the future, more reactivity episodes. Uh, we're going to talk about bird training. Oh yeah. You heard that right. Um, so yeah, I've got some really awesome episodes coming at you in the future. If you have a topic suggestion, hey, head over to disorderlydogs.com. We have a topic suggestion box that you can leave a suggestion for the podcast. And if I find that suggestion relevant, I'll do an episode and I'll shout you out for giving me the idea. All right, everyone, have a beautiful weekend. Smooch those puppies for me. And I am already looking forward to the next episode. All right, everybody, I know that CBD is a hot topic, and rightfully so. There's a lot of misinformation surrounding CBD, but I tell you what, there's a lot of pretty amazing evidence for how amazing CBD can be for not only humans, but also for our pets. Uh, The ladies at VetCS were on the podcast recently. It was episode 148. Give it a listen. You will learn a lot. Um, But I use VetCS products for me. I use VetCS products for the dogs. And I tell you what, Tiva, as she ages, the CBD is just amazing for her arthritis. And Waylon greatly benefits from the CBD too. So if you've been considering CBD for you or for your pet, check out VetCS.com. And you can use code DisorderlyDogs for 10% off your first purchase. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.